Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr. This week's guest is the Olympic swimming gold medalist Tom Shields. Tom went to his first Olympic Games this summer in Rio de Janeiro and was part of the team which won the 4x100m medley relay at the Games in the pool. Tom was part of the heats and part of the team which won the gold medal. He talks about that and his disappointment in his individual races in this week's podcast. One of the nicest people I think I've interviewed on this show. We talk a range of topics, not only from what makes him a great champion, such as his daily routine, his nutrition, what he does in the gym, all of that stuff, as as well as meditation. But we also talk about things such as religious studies, what books he reads, what podcasts he recommends. It's really a good insight into the life of a swimming world and Olympic champion. So it's a really nice listen with Tom Shields. He'll give details of how you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, etc. in the show. I recommend you go and do that. We've also got details in the description page. Just before we get to Tom, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Sportachino. Sportachino is a brand new sports breakfast show on Facebook Live. To be able to watch the show, all you've got to do is like the page facebook.com forward slash Sportachino. If you don't know how to spell it, it's S-P-O-R-T-U-C-C-I-N-O. It's a brand new show. It's hosted by me, Richard Parr, of course, and they are this week's sponsor on The Best in the World. Please go and check them out. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to my interview with the Olympic swimming champion, Tom Shields. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Tom Shields, Olympic swimming champion. Welcome to The Best in the World. We'll begin with the very beginning, I think. Um, How did you first get interested in competitive swimming? Oh, man. Well, thanks for having me on the show, first of all. Um... So I started swimming when I was around six or seven. I learned how to swim. Um, and then I grew up in a beach community. So like being pool safe wasn't necessarily um, safe enough. Um, so I started swimming club with a bunch of my other friends to kind of become uh, water safe so we could swim in the ocean by ourselves, which was a big draw for us. And um, the talent 
kind of stood out there very early on. So I was like, and it's fun to win. So I just kind of kept doing it. <laughs> Were you always competitive? Are you competitive in everything you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hyper competitive, and although I'm not very good at many things, but I can swim, so <laughs> that's what I like to do. Well, uh, in fact, I read something about you by one of your teammates saying that you're not just competitive when it comes to actual racing, you're even competitive in practicing. You're just one of these people who just really hates losing. Um, yeah, you know, I think that's something as I've grown older, I've tried to get away from because it can create a lot of negative emotions. But yeah, I mean, I hate, <laughs> I hate being frustrated. Um, you know, I, I always like to tell myself it's more of like, I like winning. And then, you know, when you lose, you kind of deal with it because it's a little bit more emotionally healthy. But yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it's not the most fun thing I've ever done. What <laughs> was there an age as you were growing up where you realized that this is where you want to focus all of your attention? And like was there an age where you went, I want to reach the Olympic Games, for example? Yeah, I think it was later for me. I think it was around twenty, twenty one. Hmm. Maybe even twenty two when I was really like, Okay, this is one thing that I wanna do. I I'm the kind of guy who's I'm not going to, I can't focus 12 years out. I'm not going to focus three right now. I'm looking at 2020, but you know, really I'm looking at worlds in December and I'm really good at committing to the short term and just building on that. So when I was in middle school, I really wanted to do well in high school and at, um, you know, sectional championships when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, I really wanted to do well at um, our state meet and, uh, get recruited for college. And then when I was in college, I wanted, really wanted to do well at NCAA level. And then in 2012, I was in college when we went to Olympic trials. And then I really kind of saw what that meet was. And I was like, oh, okay, like, not only am I good enough to be on the stage, which I didn't know I was beforehand, but this is something that I kind of want to do. And then I finished up my college career and my coach convinced me to stick around. And, uh, you know, it's been a really rewarding experience and I've learned a lot and grown as a person. But more than that, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of doing the job. Mm. Um, and I've learned a lot of things, you know, now that I've been to the Olympics, I really feel like, okay, now this is something I really, um, think I can do again and a lot better, you know, and I have four years to kind of learn more and grow more and, and, uh, you know, do more. So I'm super stoked to get to stick around and that's kind of where I'm at now. But yeah, I don't really think of it like as a, I wasn't the kid who was like 10, like, oh yeah, like this is what I want to do. Mm. Is, is that part of the, the area you've grown up in? Cause obviously, you know, by the beach, you very often get quite a laid back culture, especially in, in California. Is, is that something where you think kind of the environment has, has given you that kind of attitude? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm no sociological expert, but I mean, that's <laughs> probably a part of it. There, there was plenty of distractions, especially in the summers. So, yeah. And uh, being a short course uh, prominent athlete, which for us in the States is mostly a winter thing, and then the summers being long course where I felt like I didn't have the talent or the uh, skill. I mean, it's potentially just because I was so just doing other things at that time period, you know? So who knows? And you mentioned college. You studied religious studies. Where did that interest come from? Um, so I, you know, I grew up, um, you know, going to church three to four times a week, um, whether that be through uh, a service night where you reach out in the community or uh, the high school had its own, high school group had its own Sunday service. And then we had the high school youth group. 
um, at some point in the midweek, and then we had church Sunday morning. So it's like a really like sticky group and really like high commitment. And uh, I kind of thought I was going to be a pastor. And um, then I came to Cal, where you know divinity isn't really what is offered at Cal, um, obviously. So I studied religious studies, and I feel like I learned a lot by studying religion through a different um, scope, a lot more of a critical scope. And you know, like I did get to read Marx and Durkheim and. Uh, Max Weber and, you know, plenty of others, uh, you know, Clifford Geertz and, and Taves and Reza Aslan, you know, like all these great minds that just think differently than I was brought up about religion. So it was really cool to study. And, um, you know, I kind of got my first taste and I was like, oh, I want more. Um, it wasn't what I expected at all. And now I feel like I have, a, you know, a greater appreciation. And, you know, I don't know if, um, you know, serving as a pastor is for me anymore. I don't think I ever really had that skill set to begin with. Um, but I've, you know, I just wanted to learn things and that's why I majored in what I majored in. And, um, if you have that opportunity, obviously I highly recommend that, but, uh, obviously I, I get majoring in something that pays, mm. but, uh, fortunately I was afforded or, uh, uh, it worked out that I didn't do that. Um, you know, I didn't know I was going to go pro the whole time, but, um, these first eight years out of college, fortunately I've had a job. So, um, it worked out for me, but it doesn't work out for everybody, obviously. Mm, fantastic. With all of that studying in the religious studies, were there many things you may have picked up from that, which you were able to implement into your swimming at all? Um, you know, if anything, I think it just really like gave me, uh, a continued growth into something else where it's like been really hard for me to just swim and there'd be seasons or periods of my life where all I'm doing is swimming and I'm not, um, being like a whole person, which is not good. <laughs> and so I think for me, it just kind of gives me that avenue to, um, it gave me that avenue in college. And now I think it's just like interesting to me. So I'll, uh, you know, read old texts or, try to pretend I know how to read ancient Greek still <laughs> and stuff like that just to kind of keep not keep busy but like keep engaged with my life right mm. and with the religious studies uh, obviously you were also training to be a swimmer and competing how good were you at juggling both studying and training not <laughs> uh, no I mean you got to learn like what the priorities are in my last like I started uh, college in the fall of 2009, so I, sh you know, according to the typical American plan, I should have graduated in May or June of uh, 2013, and I graduated in late June of 2015. Um, but I kind of got to the point where swimming was uh, paying my bills, and uh, school wasn't, so I kind of had to shift focus and really make sure that uh, swimming was going well. And, um, you know, really the last year and a half of my college career, um, at athletically at Cal, so 2012 and 2013, it really shifted focus to make sure that I could, uh, go pro. And then once I went pro, uh, it, that focus kind of maintained until I could take a step back and take a few classes and get done. Um, you know, I think I balanced that well, considering, you know, I got my degree in, in time and, um, I got to have this as a job and that doesn't happen for a lot of people um you know either one will happen or the other or, or whatever um so yeah i think it went great you know i didn't have the best grades but i didn't have the worst either so um you know like looking back at it it worked out i don't i feel like i could have done better but i definitely could have done a lot worse too mm. 
And, you know, if to become a pastor, you, you need to kind of be an inspiring person. You need to kind of inspire others. And one of the things that I've read about you is that you're quite inspiring to your teammates. You're quite positive. You try and pump everyone up. Uh, what kind of things do you do to, to, to keep the morale high? Because obviously you, you won gold in, in relay. So there's some yeah, success yeah. to it. Well, yeah, I mean, the Olympics is weird because I was a, you know, absolute, not weird. The Olympics is what it is. And I was a rookie. So I was really just kind of like listening and trying to learn um, as much as I can from the wealth of experience that's there. Um, and then, you know, when I work out with the guys, like, you know, I'm a lot, probably the oldest guy in the water when Nathan's not there. And, um, you know, and he'll be in the sprint group. So, like, yeah, I definitely feel like um, the grandpa of the group. But that being said, like you got to know when people will be receptive to help and when they're not. And, uh, you know, a lot of people come, a lot of guys come in, um, you know, eyes wide open and want to soak up all they can, or, you know, guys come in and they know exactly what they want out of it. And so you kind of have to adapt to that. Uh, you know, obviously I, I love it. I think, um, I love being around a team environment. I love developing and working with guys. I feel like, you know, uh, working with young guys and kind of teaching them to master the basics, uh, keeps me on my game and I also learn things from them as time goes on and it's cool to you know year by year at Cal get the opportunity to get fresh people through and people who have that excitement every fall which is something that you wouldn't necessarily have if you weren't out of college so you know definitely it's a it's a symbiotic environment and I definitely appreciate that. Mm. what is your pre-race ritual because we saw those great pictures at the olympics where you got chad leclerc dancing around and you got michael phelps yeah, just uh, staring at a black hole what do you do before a big race um i just try and keep a low profile and i don't try to worry too much about um that kind of stuff you know i listen to music i stretch out um just try to make sure i'm ready i think Moving forward, the lessons that I learned at the Olympics is uh, I need to focus a lot more on like clearing my head and I'm trying to learn how to do that now, um, you know, through different breathing techniques or meditation. And um, I'm definitely going to take that to the blocks, but I think I've had a lack of a solid plan like 30 seconds before the race or five to 10 minutes before. Um, so that's something that I'm learning now, you know, and I feel like that's cool to, to get to grow through that process. Was there anyone in particular who was really advocating the benefits of meditation to you during the Olympics? Um, not necessarily at the games. You know, once you're there, you're very much in what you've been doing and you don't want to make any changes. And that's kind of the message that we received. And I think that's the best advice. Um, and now coming off of it, it's like, okay, what went well? What went wrong? Where was I weak? What could I, what could I get better at? And, um, you know, individual, my individual races weren't there at all at the Olympics, which is unfortunate. But, um, you know, I, I haven't watched them because, you know, obviously it's been hard uh, to kind of deal with that because it's like, oh, man, this is the biggest meet of my life. And I didn't perform anywhere near my level, um, let alone at a competitive level, even though I didn't make a final. Um, so I'm trying to learn everything I can about approaching it correctly outside of the water first because i think there's a lot of things that went wrong just in between my ears and then maybe athletically a couple days up and just trying to think about that now and then when i can uh, get some emotional healthy time i'll sit down and watch the race and be like okay this is what can go better there so it's just been a, a slow process of coming back to figuring it out you know but i've just kind of given myself that time to um because i have it you know this is mm -hmm. the one time 
I'm going to have that time the next four years. So mm. I took it. Oh, no, no, fantastic. How was, you mentioned your, your disappointment in the, um, in your individual races. And obviously we'll talk a bit more about your, your success in the relays, but overall, what, what was your feeling towards the experience of being at the Olympics? Obviously you've got the opening ceremony being around the village, being around all of the, all the different, um, athletes. How did you find all of that? Um, it was awesome. You know, like I made the Olympic team with, uh, five other teammates from Cal and we got to stay in the same suite, um, together in the dorms. And, uh, you know, it's a really long experience, uh, compared to other, uh, world level meets that we go to, um, being like a month and a half versus just a couple weeks. So just like enjoying that time together with those guys and, uh, kind of feeling like a college kid again, and the fact that you're always around the team and, um, you know, that my wife's not there. It's not, um, you know, it's not the way it is now. And so it was just kind of like a nice step back into that environment. Um, you know, and, that, and that's going to be the stuff that I remember more than anything else is just the time spent with the people. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. More from Tom in just a moment, but I want to tell you that as well as Sportachino, this week's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible is one of the leading suppliers of audiobooks in the world. They've got over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. They've got lots of different books in all different types of genre. Obviously, you like sport because you listen to the best in the world with Richard Barr. There's a lot to choose from there. Check it out. And... They're offering you a free 30-day trial to check out their service. All you've got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. That's audibletrial.com forward slash best. That includes one free download so you can get listening straight away to an audiobook in your ears. What a way to start the day with an audiobook with Audible. That code one more time, audibletrial.com forward slash best thanks a lot to them for supporting the show all right coming up more from tom shields 
the best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. So you, you mentioned that there are things that you can learn from at the Olympics you've just competed in at the 2016 Games and that you'll be able to build on when you compete at the next one in 2020. But mm. obviously you won gold at the World Championships in Kazan in the 4x100m and then you won mm-hmm. gold in the same event at the Olympic Games. How mm-hmm. much did that success at the World Champions help prepare you and propel you for the Rio Games? Um, a lot, you know, and I, and I don't think it really panned out as far as, as real. The things that I learned, I wasn't necessarily good at implementing um, from Worlds, but um, I don't know. There's no positive spin on that. That was a bummer. <laughs> but, you know, I got to be on the relay. I got to be surrounded by my teammates, and I got to feel that environment. And, uh, you know, I was just on the prelims, and uh, Michael took over at night. Um, you know, rightfully so. He's the best butterfly ever. And uh, it was just cool to watch him in that last relay and watch him swim with uh, two of the guys that I trained with. And um, I got to swim in prelims with, you know, three guys that I've known uh, for uh, quite a long time. And, um, you know, and I just, I just, I think the thing that I learned from Worlds is to cherish that, you know, is uh, at Worlds, I kind of got wrapped up in uh, the time and the performance and the pressure. Like we have to win this relay because it's the foreigner medley. And, um, you know, while that's valuable to remember, uh, while I'm training, you know, is that, that, you know, we have that pride in that event, but, um, in the moment, I think I would have done better to enjoy that experience more at worlds. And, um, this year at the Olympics, I think I did an okay job of doing that, um, through that experience. Mm. And you've had great success in the short course and you're going to have great Mm -hmm. success in the long course. For those who don't necessarily know about swimming, what are the fundamental differences between success at those different disciplines? I don't know, man. Um, (laughs) The way that my coach says, it's like, look, a fast swimmer is a fast swimmer and everything else is just what you tell yourself. Um, and that's kind of the perspective that I have moving forward. Uh, I, you know, I've had the exact level of success that I would have thought that I could have. Um, so I think now it's just learning to think that I can have more success or learning to think, um, that I can go faster, uh, whether it be short course or long course, but you know, then there's the technical side of things like short course obviously favors turns, component work, skills, and underwaters, whereas long course favors not dying or longer strokes or what have you, or more rhythmic swimming. Um, but that being said, like, man, if you're good, you're good. And mm-hmm. that's just the fact. Yeah. And obviously now you've got time to unwind. We'll talk a bit more about that in a moment, but building up to the Olympics, you're probably going through the most rigorous training of, of your whole career. Maybe just give mm-hmm. us an, an insight into what a typical day would seem like for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think on a typical double, which is like, I guess, the gnarlier day, um, we're in the water at 6 a.m., we'll get out at 8, and then I usually go home, like roll out and stretch and eat breakfast. I'll take a little nap for like an hour or two. I'll hit the weight room around 1230, uh, lift for an hour and a half, grab a quick stretch, get in the pool, uh, swim for about another hour or two, um, mostly like power type stuff, and then... um, kind of rest and recover off of that at night. And then, uh, usually the day after that will be a single, um, in the morning or in the afternoon, um, in a longer swim. And then we'll do another double and then, you know, 
the pattern continues. So what exactly are you doing in the gym? Is it low reps with heavy weights or is it lots of reps with light weights? What, what type of things are you doing in the gym? Oh man, that is, that's not my job. We do a bunch. <laughs> I just kind of follow directions there. I'm trying to take a little bit more ownership of that, but the weight stuff is hard to know. It's very like scientific, obviously, but uh, I've worked with great coaches and um, you know, I think the most important thing is that we change it up about every three weeks. So, you know, it depends on the time of year. It depends on what we need. It depends on the direction that I'm headed and then we'll adapt based on what's happening in my body. Right. That's, I think that's the biggest ideal. Um, but yeah, man, a lot of Olympic lifting, a lot of power stuff, a lot of um, agility stuff and, you know, what you would think would do for swimming mm. do you enjoy it or do you just wish you were in the pool um i've gone both ways i think as i get older i enjoy it more because you can see rapid um movement forward in the weight room mm. um, compared to other parts of the sport it's less frustrating um but then there'll be other times where it's like yeah i feel like this is taken away from me swimming fast in the pool at this time of year but um, i'm also learning that that's not i just that's just me overtraining. So that was my fault. And um, this year I'm kind of excited to not have that happen. Mm, that, that can be a danger. What, was, what would be typically in your diet on, on one of these training days? What, what are the type of foods that you'd be eating normally? Um, so I work with uh, Renaissance Periodization. Um, it's a nutrition company. I work with a guy named Mike Goddard, and he's kind of taught me, um, you know, you don't have any more than five ounces of meat at any given time. Um, kind of times out my carbs I have sometimes I'll have there'll be times a day like during practice off you know super high uh glycemic index carbs and there'll be times a day like in between where I'm having like brown rice and quinoa so it's just you know once again it comes down to like mastering the basics I feel like I I had an idea of what good nutrition was and I feel like everyone kind of knows um, to a certain extent, like what to do. And it's pretty easy to learn. And then it's just nailing it. You know, it's being super consistent on a very simple construct. Are you allowed a cheat day? Yeah. That's something that I'm kind of learning this year is that like being too perfect, you kind of lose a little bit of your soul with food. <laughs> um, it's just too important to like have, uh, whether it's fruit or frozen yogurt or whatever, um, cake, or tacos or beer, like whatever you connect with, it's important to have that mm. and learning how to adapt that into your life without having it be too much or too little. Yeah. I, but once again, that's pretty basic, right? Like that's, everyone kind of knows that yeah. it's just a, staying on it is the hard part. I think I always say if the rock has a cheat day, I can have a cheat day. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the most important thing. For sure. For so sure. how do you unwind, Tom? What do you like to do when you're not thinking about swimming or studying or anything like um, that? You know, I'm a pretty active person, so I'll go on walks with my wife. Or I love to surf, but I'm usually always too dead to make it over. Um, but other than that, you know, like I'll watch surfing. I'm a big fan of the WSL. Um, you know, I watch a couple of let's plays. I listen to podcasts, um, read books, you know, mm. the normal stuff with some other things. Other than the best in the world with Richard Parr, what are your favorite podcasts? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I recently, um, found this guy, I mean, I don't know his name, but the podcast called, uh, uh, myths and legends. Okay. So, you know, it really fits the religious studies appetite and he kind of, he's an English major. 
and you can tell because he's very focused on the narrative. But what he'll do is uh, gather up all these stories and all these versions of one story and kind of compile it into a, a narrative that would fit our modern culture, I guess, and kind of make his own judgments or his own interpretation as time goes or as the story goes on. And so it's just interesting to listen to and listen to him adapt the story to um, maybe a younger audience today or, um, you know, he'll go through a Disney story and be like, well, this is how the story actually goes. And this is like why they did this and that and the other. And so it's just, you know, Hmm. it's just, you know, the sociological pondering and uh, the myth itself is just like, you know, exactly what I love about religious studies. So it kind of fits that need and I don't have to do any of the research myself. (laughs) Yeah. It's all, it's all straight there for you. Yeah. yeah, Uh, Similar for me when, when I'm trying to do some research about football rather than going through all the articles and all the data and all the stats, I'll listen to a a good podcast. You mentioned reading. Well, exactly. Because you got your own thing going on. Mm. So you got to use the others. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That's what they're there for. Um, Yeah. So you mentioned books as well. What is the one book you would recommend to someone to read? Man, I ooh, Dharma Bums by Jack Kerouac. Hands okay, down. what's the, what's that about? Uh, so Jack Kerouac was, I guess, a beatnik poet, um, but I've never read any of his poetry. But he was a novelist too. He uh, he wrote On the Road. He's kind of like in my opinion, like the quintessential 1950s and 40s, and I guess he died right before the 60s, but 60s too, like counterculture and pre-counterculture experience. Um, You know, like he was a dire Catholic, but lived by Buddhist principles and, um, you know, climbed mountains, was a hippie and into like really early to being into alternative medicine and, um, you know, being, living in the Bay and uh, how much Dharma Bums is set in Berkeley and uh, North Bay and San Francisco and L.A. Um, you know, really connecting with it as like a geographical text and uh, kind of what Berkeley is about or, and was at that time. Um, I think it's an amazing read. And obviously, like I'm fascinated by um, how religions grow and how these guys and poets um kind of adapted Buddhism to their own thing and like never really went to temples and never really like learned traditions, but just kind of like read these old texts and created their own movement. Um, this is of course super interesting to kind of muse about, um, intellectually and study from a spiritual standpoint. Mm, well, that's really interesting. We'll, yeah. we'll have to check out that book. We'll have to listen yeah, to yeah. that podcast. Tom, we've nearly run out of time, but just before mm. we go, if you could just give our listeners um, some information on how they can continue to learn and follow you on Twitter, Facebook, oh, Instagram, for sure, for sure. different social media, any websites, anything else you'd like to promote and talk about. Yeah, right? for sure. So for me, everything's really simple. Um, it, it's all BVT Shields. So I'm at BVT Shields on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Facebook.com slash BVT Shields and BVT Shields.com. So that's uh, I know it's a it's a it's a funky name. It's an old Xbox gamer tag. Uh <laughs> So that's B-E-E-F-Y and then a T Shields. Um, so, yeah, I mean, check it out. I got some things coming up uh, fundraiser-wise. So if you're in the California area, stay tuned for that. Um, other than that, it's just my life. Mm. You know you're going to get lots of people wanting to play you on the Xbox now. They'll all be searching yeah, B-E-E-F-Y. Yeah. Shields. So actually, <laughs> that's my, my that Xbox is at my mom's house, and my, my mom and dad's house. So uh, that'll be my parents. Who, uh, <laughs> who you see on that what what are the games you play 
Um, I have a Wii U. Um, you know, I'm really excited for the NX and the new Zelda game. I think uh, Wind Waker uh, is my favorite game. So, um, yeah, I mean, Link to the Past, Link Between Worlds, uh, Mario games, just like the stuff that I remember from being a kid. You know, I played a bunch of Pokemon games. So I'm excited for Sun and Moon. I guess I'm a, one of those nostalgic Nintendo fanboys. I don't play much, obviously. I'm kind of busy all the time. But mm. um, when I get some time off and there's no waves you know i'll pick it up yeah i'm looking forward to the new mario game which is going to come on the iphone and the app store and everything like that i think that could be quite fun i guess i I should look that up i didn't even know yeah i think it's coming in the next few months i think i may have pre-downloaded it or something like that i don't know i'm I'm not a technical person but awesome awesome. (laughs) and uh, you mentioned before we went on the air that you you got an iphone 7 are you a tech guy No, no 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 i just my contract was up and the new phone came out and so I went and got it. Um, and you know, I was, I'm sponsored by Kellogg's and, um, they gave me a pair of beats Oh, nice! that are Bluetooth. And then since I won that Olympic gold medal, um, beats gave me another pair. So it's like, well, I have these and they work super well. So I just, it's kind of nice to be cordless. Um, honestly, I'm not too bummed about it quite yet. Yeah, fantastic. And how easy is it for you to be getting support? It's great that you you've got Kellogg's and, and people like that on oh, board. But yeah. is that is that something you have to kind of chase, or do they come to you? Um, you know, it's a bit of both. Kellogg's found me through LinkedIn, and then I had an agent, I have an agent actually, Janie Miller at Octagon, who's awesome and amazing, and she's kind of done everything that's worked out. <laughs> and then there's things that I do on my own. Um, that I seek out, like, and that'll be companies that, uh, I guess they're all really small, but that I really connect with their products. Um, so like Red Ace is a beet juice company and they ship worldwide. And, um, you know, and I'll post this soon too. If you follow me on Instagram, um, there's a discount code, uh, that you, uh, you go on their website and you buy beet juice, um, which is like super helpful for health and super helpful for cardiovascular health and, vasodilation and not only athletic performance but also athletic performance so thanks for letting me get that ad in there (laughs) um and you know so like i kind of did that on my own and uh, you know he's a guy he lives in costa mesa which is a town that neighbors my hometown so it's just kind of those organic um i guess it's an organic product but what i meant is like that's kind of like a a, like just a, a homegrown um kind of deal that we struck up because you know just I kept buying their product and we kept talking and I was like, well, why don't we just do this? And so it was really symbiotic. And so like stuff like that will pop up. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kellogg's and then obviously uh, my main sponsor arena, um, it gets a little bit more harrowing when like a lot of, uh, commitment is involved. And so it's nice to have representation. And, um, I think it's absolutely necessary to be honest. I'm not a lawyer, so Mm. (laughs) I will, uh, I will hire that out for sure. And I think that is uh, highly recommended if you are in this job. Yeah. And I think some of those relationships and partnerships are the best ones, the ones which are ones which grow because you like the product and you use the product and you kind of usually helping people. Of course. And that's not to say that like, I think I do think that arena makes the best suit in the world, hands down. And I do think that Kellogg's makes great food. Mm. It's just that like they're multinational corporations. So it's not like it's, I've grown personal relationships out of 
the sponsorship, but the sponsorship didn't come about because of a personal relationship, you know? Yeah, precisely. Well, Tom, this has been really great chat. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And we'll continue to learn from you on social media. But Tom Shields, thank you for being the best in the world. Yeah, thanks for having me on. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Thanks a lot to Tom Shields for being on this week's Best in the World. If you like swimming, we've had swimmers on before. We've had Nathan Adrian. He is an Olympic champion. We've had him on the show. We've got former world record holder Nick Gillingham. He's been on one of the earlier episodes. Please check them out. They're all on richardparr.net richardparr.net forward slash podcasts. Please go and check them out. They're also on the back catalogue on iTunes and on Stitcher. If you've enjoyed this show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be greatly appreciated. It really helps spread the word of our show. I would love it if you would do that. Any comments for the show, send me a tweet at richard underscore par. Thanks again to our sponsors, Audible and to Sportachino, that's facebook.com forward slash Sportachino. We've got more amazing learning from the very best sports athletes on the planet coming up next Wednesday on iTunes, on Stitcher, on richardparr.net, and it's all on the best in the world. I'll see you next week, people. Bye-bye. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 